Hello and welcome to Greg Chapman Almost Live Stories of Steam. That's right, my name is Greg Chapman and I'm back with another story. And the great thing about the story I'm about to tell you all is I've got no idea what it's about. I've got absolutely no idea what is going to happen over the next half hour or so. But welcome, welcome, welcome to those people who are currently watching live on Facebook. These are the guys that are going to help me craft the story. And thank you to all of you who are downloading and listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. As I say, my name is Greg Chapman. I am a, an entertainer, a magician, a juggler for those who don't know me. And unfortunately, over the last few months, I have developed back and wrist problems, which means I can't do magic. I can't juggle. I can barely stand up. I can't really walk. All of which has made work quite difficult, I'll be honest. But I can still talk nonsense, which means perfect excuse for me to start up a podcast in front of the mic, talk to you all almost live and allow me to just keep carrying on and hopefully entertaining you all as we go along. Thank you so much, by the way, to all the people who uh, made Ko-Fi donations after the last episode. I really do appreciate it. Like I say, I've got no work coming in at the moment. I've had to cancel all my shows because I can't actually uh, do any magic. Oddly enough, when you've got a hand that doesn't work, juggling and magic gets more and more difficult. I don't exactly know why, but it's just something I've been struggling with. Um, but So thank you so much for all of you who have been supporting this podcast and supporting me. And now it is time for us to start to work our way into the story. Because the way this podcast works is every episode I tell a story. But the story is not one I've planned out, written in advance. That sounds like too much like hard work. It is a story that I'm going to craft with the assistance of those people who are watching live. So... Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to find out our first piece of information about tonight's story. And the first thing I'm going to need to know is what genre the story is in. Now, most stories have a sort of steampunk theme because a lot of my, my supporters, fans, friends, they are steampunks. But I'm going to ask them now, everyone watching, to start to write a series of genres into the, <laughs> into the, the feed. The one that's just popped up and has made me laugh immediately is documentary. I'm not sure... I'll be honest, I've got absolutely no idea how a how a, a made-up story documentary would work, but I must admit I'm absolutely fascinated by the idea. I've had a couple of suggestions of horror, I've had a, a magical suggestion, and I think, ah, this is really good, because I've, I've got these suggestions coming in. I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with a horror, <laughs> I'm going to go with a horror documentary theme for this particular episode i've kind of yeah thank you for that charlie um for the suggestion documentary because it's not one i would have thought of at all and so it's going to throw me completely from the start so i'm going to do a documentary and it's going to be a horror documentary because a couple of people just there suggested horror as well so it's going to be a horror documentary so i think at this point in time for the horror documentary i'm going to need a name and i think we'll have the name of a uh, if you can give me the name of a really posh building of some sort, let's let's have this all set around some really posh building. So, give me some suggestions for the name of some sort of posh, exciting building. It doesn't have to be a real one. Let's just have a made-up name right there in the feed. And I'm just starting to look at the suggestions coming in now for our our horror documentary and our horror documentary podcast today will actually be all about. I'm looking at the suggestions. I'm looking. I think that was... <laughs> I nearly read that one out as a suggestion, but I think it was the last one. 
We've got a Castle of Dunes. We've got St. Paul's Cathedral. We've got Brand Castle. Now, I can't really do Brand Castle. We already filmed the whole documentary about that one. Um, St. Paul's Cathedral, I don't think I know enough about St. Paul's Cathedral to actually be able to. St. Paul's Cathedral, the only thing I know about St. Paul's Cathedral is the fact that it has columns that don't reach the ceiling because I think Christopher Wren said they didn't need as many columns as they had. People said he needed to add a whole load of extra columns, and so he added extra columns, but he didn't make them reach the ceiling. But I think Chinkalegue Island. Okay, I've got no idea what that is. Chinkalegue Island, I'm going to take a suggestion there. So, okay, we're going to go for a documentary horror, a horror documentary about uh, Chinkalegue Island. So, here we go. We are about to begin. I've got no idea how this works. How does it, How do I do a, a documentary as a radio? Okay, <clears throat> here we go. A, a horror documentary about Chinkalegue Island. And later on, I'm going to Google it and find out if it's actually a real place, because it's not one I know. Or link and let me know in the comments hello and welcome to documentaries on the podcast and today's documentary is all about chingo league island and chingo league island is a fantastic place it is well known for its range of wild animals exciting vistas its dormant volcano and of course it's paranormal sightings. That's right. Jinkalegue Island is known here as a place where all sorts of horror, horrible events take place. They tell me that there is a ghost on this small island off the coast of Virginia that has wild ponies. That's right, wild ponies is what I'm being told in the feed in front of me here. I'm now doing this like I've got a teleprompter for the documentary, but don't worry about that. So... This is the island of Jinkalig, and on it there is a horrible story. And I am here on the island doing a David Attenborough voice to investigate the horror story. And of course, I am just coming into the island aboard the motorboat. And as the motorboat pours into the docks, I see the owner and curator of Jinkalig Island. It is one Mr. Squirrel. That's his name. He's not actually a giant squirrel. Like This is not some sort of silly children's story. This is a serious, serious documentary. And so I disembark the boat and I go to find Mr. Squirrel. So uh, the next clip you will hear is an interview with Mr. Squirrel himself, the owner of Shinkalig Island. Hello, Mr. Squirrel. Uh, can I can I just say it is a pleasure to be welcomed to your island? Well, uh, thank you so much, Mr. M Mr. Presenter person. It is a it is a, it is a pleasure to welcome you to my island here. I say, don't you find it remarkable that this island is in the, off the coast of Virginia in America, and neither of us has an American accent? Uh, well, no, obviously, um, when I colonialize the island. I, I came over from Britain to colonialize the island. Of course, that's how these things work. Ah, well, thank you, Mr. Squirrel. Now, I was going to speak to you about that because it was the colonialization of the island which you believe in some way um, caused the, the horrible happenings on this particular island. Oh, well, yes, you're, you're quite right. You see, there have been horrible occurrences for a number of years. Visitors, Come to the island 
We have this, this posh luxury hotel in right in the centre of the island and visitors turn up. They all have to arrive on the boat. There's no, there's no landing strip on the island and so every visitor that turns up, they arrive, they stay. We only have the one big posh hotel on the island and every visitor that turns up, they stay in the hotel. And once they arrive, everything seems fine. But then, when they wake up the next morning, they all come down with a look of dread and horror on their faces. That, that's, that's quite fascinating. Yes, now, um, do they explain why they have this particular look of, of horror on, on their faces? Yes, yes, of course. They, I, I was going to explain that. I, I wasn't going to just leave the story there. I, I, I don't know what made you think I was going to just not explain. That, that's absolutely fine. But if you could just hurry it up a little bit, because I'm going to lose track of which accent I'm doing if we don't, don't get through this soon. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, every guest that comes down, they look at me with a look of horror and they say, I say, has somebody been in our room last night? Wait, hold on. I, I, I must just stop you for a minute. Wh whose voice was that? I've got no idea now. Yes, I look at them with a look of horror and they, they say, uh, there was someone in our room last night. And I say to them, well, how do you know there was someone in our room last night, your room last night? And they say, well, I woke up this morning and I went to my suitcase and I opened my suitcase and all of my clean underwear had been stolen. Well, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, 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 this is the story of the island. You see, no matter how many people come, they stay one night and all their clean underwear has, has vanished. And I mean, obviously, this is a problem for most people, but there are also like, like babies come to the island on holiday and they have no more clean nappies. And it's, it's an absolutely terrible state of affairs. And so now I'm going to head into the centre of the island aboard this wild pony. Yes, that's right. That's, I've just ridden this wild pony, which was oddly happy to have me ride it, into the centre of the island. Now, obviously, I have to do this investigation, this documentary, quickly, because I do not want to have to stay until tomorrow morning when I will have no more clean underwear. So, I have now exited my pony and I'm standing in front of the hotel. Now, this looks like a posh luxury hotel and I'm looking around and all I can see is these wild ponies and, of course, the dormant volcano standing on the hill just in the background. Well, obviously, it is time for me to take a look around the inside of this hotel. I approach the front doors of the hotel. It is a posh luxury hotel with automatic doors. And so the automatic doors open. I walk into the, the hotel lobby. Now, the hotel lobby is quite a posh hotel lobby. Ah, and standing to one side, there is a receptionist. I am now going to go and discuss with the receptionist what the current situation is. Uh, hello, you are the receptionist of the, uh, this hotel. Is that correct? Yes, hello. I'm the receptionist of this hotel. Ah, and I noticed that you almost have an American accent. Yeah, that's right, honey. I I'll be honest with you. This is absolutely the best attempt at an American accent you are going to get on this podcast today. I'll be honest with you. Well, thank you very much for putting in the effort to at least attempt to do the, uh, the American accent. So please tell me in your own words, have there been any... Horrible reports of missing underwear 
today. In my own words, you say? That's right, please, tell me, in your own words. In my own words, yes. Yes, there I have. Okay, thank you. And do you have any idea at what time of night the underwear goes missing? Well, it's very hard to say. You see, our guests kind of get up very early in the morning, some of them. Some of them go to bed very late at night. The bar is closed between 2 o'clock and uh, uh, 8 in the morning. So really, any time between 2 o'clock at night and 8 o'clock in the morning, that underwear could have uh, could have vanished. That's a very interesting. And when you say that period of time, who would be on the hotel grounds during that period of the night? Oh, well, to be honest with you, it would only really be me and uh, Mr. Squirrel and, of course, all the wild ponies. But yeah, it's hardly going to be the wild ponies that are stealing the underwear, is it? I don't know yet. I have not figured that far out in the story. I decided that there was only one thing I could do because obviously this is a documentary and a documentary has to try and get to the bottom of the situation. That is not, when I say get to the bottom of the situation, that is not some sort of underwear related pun, okay? I don't want anybody lowering this documentary into the level of smut where we're making underwear jokes. I want us to keep this very sensible, okay, because, um, Whoever has taken his underwear may have a mean streak in their... No, not in their, we're not doing underwear jokes. Okay, I decide that there's only one thing I can do if I'm going to bring this documentary to a conclusion. I'm going to have to spend the night and I'm going to have to lay a trap. That's right, I'm going to have to lay some sort of trap for my underwear magical disappearing horror thing. And so I check into the hotel with my small suitcase containing all of my clothes, including a pair of boxer shorts with Spider-Man on the front, because obviously that is what an adult man should have, is a proper pair of Spider-Man underpants. I check into my hotel room. Now, I am going to look around my hotel room in just a few minutes time. And when I look around my hotel room, I will see various objects around the hotel room that I will be able to put together to make some sort of underwear trap. And um, obviously, if I was doing this as a live recorded improvised story, I would now be seeing popping up on the screen in front of me a series of possible objects that you may find in a hotel room that I might be able to somehow craft into a trap for a horrible underwear thief. And so, as I start to look around the room, the first thing I rest my eyes on is a kettle, of course. The kettle, that is always the obvious first thing. It's barely a hotel room if it doesn't have a kettle. Let's face it, if it doesn't have a kettle, you are staying in a youth hostel. Now, along with the kettle, of course, there is a cushion. Yes, a cushion. Obviously, every good hotel room has a cushion and a, a copy of the Bible and a maid. Well, I'm not going to start using a maid. You can't stay in a room overnight. That would be in inappropriate. Oh, there's a pillowcase as well and a mirror. Okay, so I've got a kettle. I've got a cushion. I've got a pillowcase. Weirdly without a pillow. I've got a mirror and I've got some mints under the pillow. Basically, I focused on the pillow arrangement. Basically, I've, I've just really seen the kettle, wandered over to the bed. There's the pillow. I've looked under the pillow. I've taken a case off the pillow. The pillow's basically a cushion anyway. And turning around, there was a mirror. Aha! Of course, I thought. This is the easiest way in the world to trap an underwear monster. And so, 
I took my case of underwear, I carefully removed my underwear, folded and ironed neatly as it should be, and I laid it on the floor, just inside the entrance to my room. I grabbed the kettle and, dismantling it to remove the lead, I strung the lead across the door to make some form of tripwire. Once I had made the tripwire, I opened up the Bible. It was a huge, but you know, big King James volume of the Bible. It was basically as big as me. I opened up the Bible to give me a sort of L-shaped container. When I grabbed the pillowcase, I took the pillowcase, I took the pillowcase and I put it across the top of the Bible. So it's sort of hanging down, making kind of like a bag, a bag that was held open by the giant Bible. Then I thought, ah, hang on a minute. I've still got two things to think about. I've got a mirror and I've got a cushion. Well, I thought, well, the mirror is quite important because I don't want somebody walking into the room and seeing the underwear and thinking there's only one set of underwear. They might not think it's worth their time. So I put the mirror next to the underwear so it was reflected and it looked like there were two lots of underwear in the room rather than just one. And then, of course, the cushion. Well, I thought, hang on a minute. If this plan works and somebody runs into the room, trips over the kettle cord, falls headfirst into the pillowcase. I do not want them banging their head on the floor and me getting sued. And so I finally took the cushion and I just put it underneath the pillowcase so that when somebody tripped over the kettle, fell face first into the pillowcase, ran down, they would hit their head on the cushion rather than on the aforementioned pillowcase. At this point in time, I realized that the uh, maid was still in the room. I'd forgot to tell her to leave. She thought I was absolutely crazy at this point in time, but I, I quietly shooed her out the room. And then I went and I sat on the bed and I waited. I waited for the moment when the door would open and some sort of underwear-stealing monster would arrive. I waited. I waited. I yawned. I waited. I yawned again. I woke up to the sound of a crash. There was a big crash. And when I looked across, there was the pillowcase writhing on the floor, ratting around, ratting around, writhing on the floor. I looked across. The underwear, the underwear had vanished. Aha, I thought. I have managed to catch the horrible underwear villain. And so I ran over. I grabbed the pillowcase. I grabbed the end. I kind of bunched it up. I thought, wow, this is a gigantic pillowcase because it's just fitted an entire person inside it. But not stopping to question the logic too much. I dragged it downstairs through the elevator. We went down in the elevator. Ding. I went out of the doors of the elevator into the lobby. And there, in the middle of the lobby, I was surrounded by angry people whose underwear had been stolen. And it was time for a denouement. It was time for my moment. It was time for me to reveal who the underwear horrible monster thief thing was. And I've just realized somebody's just popped up, just started to watch Almost Live, and have absolutely no idea why I'm standing here with a pillowcase containing an unknown person or persons who have stolen people's underwears from a hotel in an island with wild ponies and a large dormant volcano. But don't worry about that too much. I got the bag, I looked around, and I suddenly realized that of all the people in the room, there was only one person who I expected to see who was not there. I lifted up the pillowcase and revealed under the pillowcase was... <gasps> Mr. Squirrel! Mr. Squirrel, the owner of the island! 
Mr. Squirrel, I said. Mr. Squirrel, what are you doing? I'm going to have to ask you now. I'm going to have to ask you to explain your actions in front of all these people. Well, I, I can I can certainly explain what has been uh, what has been going on. If you, if you'll just give me a chance, I, I can explain what has been going on. I've um, I've I've been taking the 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 underwear. You understand? You, yes, yes. Thank you. We, we do understand that you have been taking the underwear. We kind of want to know why you've been taking the underwear. Ah, said Mr. Squirrel. Ah, uh, that, that, that's quite an explanation. I'm. I think it is best if you if you come with me and I, I will show you what has been happening with the the underwear that I've been stealing in this remote island in this hotel. And so we all gathered together, myself, my documentary crew, who I've not mentioned before, but they're the ones obviously recording all of this. I, we gathered, we had the owner of the hotel, owner of the island, we had our receptionist, who's the only other person I think that I've given a voice to yet, and we had a whole load of angry guests. And we all went outside to where the wild ponies were all gathered around. We all climbed on board the wild ponies, who actually, come to think of it, seem incredibly amenable to people riding on them. I really must look into that another time. And we began to follow the owner of the hotel along a little pony riding path. We rode as the path wound upwards up a hill and I suddenly realised it wasn't a hill we were going up at all. We were slowly making our way up the dormant volcano right in the centre of the island. As we arrived at the top we dismounted. Our ponies were starting to get a little bit skittish. They were getting a bit frightened. They clearly did not want to be at the top of the volcano. And so the ponies scarpered, dashing down, down the mountainside and returning to the safety of the hotel. We would return later on to find them there having their breakfast in the hotel restaurant where the rest of us had left it. At this point in time, we were all somewhat confused. Why, indeed, have we been brought to the top of the dormant volcano. And indeed, the big question on everyone's lips was, when we first mentioned the dormant volcano at the beginning of this story, had we already figured out that this was where the story was going to end? Or am I making it up as we go along? Well, we arrived at the top of that dormant volcano and we have approached the edge and I realized that it was starting to get very, very hot. I was, I was sweating, I was dripping, I was absolutely drenched with sweat, which was really annoying because I was also still wearing yesterday's underwear, of course, uh, as was everybody else, and we were also all very well aware we didn't have now spare underwear ready for tomorrow. We approached the top, and I suddenly realised why it was so hot. It appeared the volcano was no longer dormant. The volcano was very much active. I turned to the island owner. I said, now, hold on a minute. This is an active volcano. Well, yes, indeed, indeed it is. You, you have spotted that. Yes, this, this volcano is not as dormant as we would like to think. Any, uh, any time that the lava could start to spell out of the volcano, uh, as it's wont to do, and then it would roll down the hill very, very quickly. Uh, as you know, lava moves along at approximately 26 and a half miles per hour. Uh, we would basically have a, a matter of minutes to ev evacuate the island, get everyone to the boat, and to be honest, my hotel would be destroyed, and with my hotel, all of my money. 
Well, yes, I, I quite understand that, that that would be an issue for you, but I, I don't entirely understand how this solution is being solved. Well, uh, well, what I thought to myself was, I thought to myself, well, hold on a minute. A volcano is basically a, a liquid rock, so, so, it's, so it's this quite liquidy, uh, soft, m quite horrible substance, and it also smells quite, quite sulfurous, quite, quite rank, and I thought to myself, well, hold on a minute. I've got this kind of quite rank, sulfurous smelling stuff, and, and, and it's, quite, um, it's quite liquidy, and I thought, well, hang on a minute. What would stop some sort of liquidy stuff from, and I thought, well, hold on a minute, surely, surely, um, if somebody were to be caught short, they would rely on their underwear uh, to protect themselves from very much a, a rather foul-smelling liquidy substance, and so, um, I've just got to stop you just for one moment, I said. You appear to be using my voice. You're quite right, I do apologise. I appear to have got the wrong voice there. Uh, don't worry about that, because what I was saying was, the, the sulfurous substance, I have basically been using the the underwear that I have been stealing to form a bung in the top of the volcano. Uh, I have been using only clean underwear, because obviously it would get a bit messy if I was using dirty underwear. I don't want to touch anyone's dirty underwear, so I've been stuffing clean underwear into the top of the volcano in order to protect the island. Oh no, I said. I I've got to be honest with you, but um, I've been hearing reports of this going on for, for a number of years. For at least four or five years. Oh, well, yes, that's, that's quite correct. I mean, I mean, I was going to it temporarily, and it turns out that you need a lot of a uh, lot of underwear. Basically, every time I bung fresh underwear in, it basically starts to burn and crumble. Yes, well, um, you you must understand that the the issue we have here is that we may have reached a critical mass of underwear in the top of this volcano and we are about to have an eruption in the underpants. Well, y yes, it is quite scary, but I don't think I would go that far necessarily. No, 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 you misunderstand me. The, the volcano is about to erupt, and when it erupts, it is going to send underpants and molten magma and dust and everything else flying up into the air and down onto the hotel. We have no choice. We have to leave the island this instant. Well, of course, knowing that we had to leave the island, we had to make our way off the island. We dashed down the hill as quickly as we could, and there we saw them, the wild ponies. We needed to gather all of the wild ponies, but we could see the lava was already starting to roll down the hill at exactly 26 and a half miles per hour. And then I started to see smoke coming out of the top of the volcano. This was going to get a little bit worrying. I did just quickly check, were there any other animals on the island? I can't remember if I said there were or there weren't earlier, but just in case there were, luckily they'd all just gone on holiday on the last boat off the island, so they were safe. It was just the wild ponies and us that we needed to save before the eruption of the underpant volcano. However, the problem was that the boat that the animals had all gone on holiday on was the last boat off the island. We found ourselves in an appalling situation. We now had no boat. We had a whole load of wild ponies. We had ourselves. And we had a volcano, a magma volcano, waiting to explode and sending lava down the mountain at 26 and a half miles an hour. And of course, we were exactly 26 and a half miles 
from that volcano, which means I am right here, aren't I? It means we only had one hour to get off the island. And as we were standing on a coast and the hotel was between us, we really didn't have time to go back to the hotel. All we had were those things that we could see lying around that you would naturally find on an island of this nature. Uh, and this is where, once again, I started to look around and I cast my eyes at the screen in front of me as well because I needed to figure out what sort of things I could find on a remote tropical island with a not very dormant volcano and a whole load of wild ponies that I could use. And so I cast my eyes around the floor and I saw some leaves. Yes, I thought, leaves, we should leave. That is a fantastic suggestion. I thought that is a hint to what we should be doing here. We should be leaving. Ah, and there was some kelp. And uh, ah, there were some sandcastles, obviously some sandcastles and some driftwood. Okay, I was starting to form something and a coconut. Just one coconut, not coconuts, just a coconut. I thought, well, hang on a minute. There's a coconut there. Where has that coconut come from? Surely there must be some sort of coconut tree. No, I thought we don't have time to get bogged down with another mystery. I am going to have to figure out the coconut mystery later. Oh, there's some buried treasure. There's some dead wood. There's some dinosaur bones. And animals ate the rest of the coconuts. Thank you very much. Okay, great. We've got things sorted out now. The animals, obviously, somewhere out at sea at this point in time, there were all the animals on the island, and they got the, the coconuts sort of split open with the little straws and the little cocktail umbrellas. You know, there's a zebra. I don't know why there was a zebra on the island, but there's this zebra sat back enjoying his, uh, enjoying his pina colada out of a coconut shell. Oh, and it turns out on the island there is also an unexploded bomb. Well, this makes perfect sense of everything, doesn't it? I thought we've got absolutely nobody to gather around, folks. We've got no problem. Look what we've got here. We've got that sandcastle. We've got that driftwood. We've got that unexploded bomb. We've got that one coconut. We've got some dinosaur bones. Now, putting this all together... Oh, and we had the kelp and the leaves. Putting this all together, we have the perfect solution to our problem. Now, if you've ever tried to crack open a coconut you will know full well that there is no stronger force on Earth than a shell of a coconut. They are basically impossible to crack open. That was going to be the start of the crux of my plan. Now, the lava was coming down the hill. The first thing we did was we built the sandcastles. We actually took, because they were sandcastles already, but we took the different sandcastles and we put the sandcastles one on top of the other to make a mega sandcastle. Basically, a sand silo, if you will. Something that could aim. Now, on the top of that sand silo, we put the unexploded bomb. Uh, obviously, we had a member, luckily, in the hotel, there was a member of the uh, the bomb squad there, so it was safely handled. Obviously, if you come across an unexploded bomb, please do not touch the unexploded bomb and move it to the top of a sandcastle pile. Once we had finished the sandcastle pile, I had my team getting to work with the driftwood and the leaves, and they constructed from the driftwood and the leaves a giant aeroplane glider thingy, a huge structure, the leaves, of course, light enough to make the the canvas over the top and the driftwood used to make a frame and obviously underneath we used the box that the buried treasure had come in the treasure chest it was a giant treasure chest just big enough for all of the ponies and us to get inside but of course we now needed to get up into the air and we were running out of time this is where the coconut came in i put the coconut remember strongest thing on earth i put the coconut on top of the unexploded bomb this was then on top of that we put the buried treasure chest with all of us inside on top of that of course it was attached to the plane made out of the driftwood and the leaves and we waited 
We waited, sat on top of that pinnacle, hoping this would work, as we saw below us the level of the lava start to rise. At exactly 26 and a half miles an hour, it started to rise up and up and up and up and up and up. Basically, we were about 26 and a half miles in the air. I don't know, we can't have been that high up because that would be space or something. Okay, anyway, it rose up and up and up and eventually it started to heat up the sand just beneath us. And as it heated up the sand, it started to heat up that unexploded bomb. Now, here's a piece of advice for you. If you find an unexploded bomb, do not heat up the unexploded bomb. Because of course, when you heat up an unexploded bomb, it has a habit of not being an unexploded bomb for very much longer. It has very much uh, the, the ability to transform itself into an exploded bomb. And that is exactly what happened. The bomb exploded, and the second the bomb exploded, it forced the coconut upwards. The coconut, of course, had us on top of it in the treasure chest, massive treasure chest, and on top of that it had the plane. And so we flew right up in the air, and then we stopped. We started to fall. And just as we started to fall, the leaves caught the air rushing through our plane framework and suddenly there we were flying, flying along through the air. The wild ponies started clapping their hands. No, the people started clapping their hands. The wild ponies started stamping their hooves, stamping their hooves. One of them stamped his hooves so hard that it smashed clean through the bottom of the treasure chest. I ran over. I grabbed it hoof in my hand. I was standing there dangling off. This was a bit of an issue, but not to worry because of course we are recording the whole thing for this documentary. And so I had my sound man bring over a set of earphones and I put the earphones onto the pony uh, and they had like that springy, springy coiled headphone wire. And so I let go of the pony. He dropped down. It sprung on the springy wire. It was like a bungee cord, came flying back up, leapt over, landed back on top of the treasure chest and very, very slowly we started to bring ourselves down. We started to float down and I suddenly realized that there wasn't a landing strip anywhere around. We were in the middle of the ocean. And then in front of me, I saw our only hope for salvation. There in front of me, I saw the boat containing the animals and the animals were all sat there and I saw them looking up from their pina coladas being drunk out of coconut shells with the little umbrellas. And I saw them looking up and realizing this plane was coming down towards them, realizing that they were in real trouble. We was going to land. There wasn't enough room on their little boat for us to land the plane. And for them, they would all have to jump off the side. It wasn't going to work. Luckily, down there, one of the animals on this little island off the coast of Virginia, one of those famous American animals, apart from the wild ponies that were with us, but one of those famous American animals that live on an island off the coast of, of Virginia, one, one of those animals that lives on the... No, I'm not going to get... And nobody's going to tell me what kind of animals live in America. Thanks so... No? Okay, fine. An elephant. One of those American elephants down there. He suddenly remembered, because elephants don't forget. He remembered last time the volcano had erupted. And he remembered what they did when they were all off on their little animal boat. And he gathered everyone round. And all 
of those little animals on the boat, they all opened up their little coconut umbrellas and every single one of them held their coconut umbrellas above their head so that their coconut umbrellas became one flat canopy of coconut umbrellas and they even positioned themselves so all the different colours of the coconut umbrellas kind of circled round to make like a little landing target for us to land on. I thought that would have been great if we were in a helicopter but this is a plane, this is never quite going to work and so the plane came down and I also suddenly realised we didn't have any wills. Not to worry, I thought I've solved the will problem. I turned round to all the ponies. I said, ponies, stamp your hooves. And the ponies started stamping their hooves until each one of the ponies broke through the bottom, but not all the way through the bottom, just to their legs. So now we've got like this plane coming in with the, the leaf roof and the, the treasure chest and out the bottom there were all these little pony legs just running along underneath, running along. And we came in and we landed with those little pony legs landing on top of the series of cocktail umbrellas that were being held up by the animals that were on their luxury cruise holiday and they came to a halt and slowly we all calmed down and we turned back and we turned back just in time to see a huge explosion behind us as the top of the volcano blew up and spread across the land and they say that across the entirety of North America for the next three days it rained underpants. And ladies and gentlemen, that was our documentary all about the underpant rain of 2022, uh, which you will all, of course, have heard about in your newspapers. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to our documentary. Uh, there are lots more documentaries available from our documentary channel. Uh, please do not miss out our documentary all about the rain of socks. And of course, the bra catapult attack of ancient Rome. Thank you very much for joining us on a documentary. And goodbye. Well, there we go. That was uh, that was our story. <laughs> that was our story for today. We managed to get there. We managed to land that plane of madness. Let's be completely honest. Thank you so much to everybody who is listening to this on the podcast. Thank you to all of you who appear in the Facebook Live chat. Please make sure you are members of the Lavender Dodos Assemble group on Facebook and make sure you follow uh, Greg and Felicity Adventures on Facebook where we will announce when we're going to do the next live recording session. Also, as I said at the beginning, I'm doing these podcasts at this point in time because currently I can't actually work because of tandem back problems. So please, if you want to support this pro podcast, go to www.co-fi.com. That's www.ko-fi.com forward slash Greg, where you can throw a few coins in our virtual hat or go to www.ko-fi.com forward slash Greg forward slash shop where you can get yourself a, an Almost Live t-shirt, or you can even sponsor an episode of this show. Thank you so much to everybody who's been in the live chat today helping me get through this story. Thank you to all of you listening at home, and please, one thing that you can all do for me, massive favor, we're in the early stages of this podcast, every single review counts. So whatever app you listen to this podcast on, and for those of you listening or watching live, please, it's on the all the podcast apps that I know of. So please just go download it on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on. Leave it a review if you enjoy it. And I will be back very, very soon with another episode of Greg Chapman Almost Live Stories of Steam. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and take care.